Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, instead of coming to the on the drive to Hartford, we just wouldn't know how to do it. Recorded and live. And instead of your baby before they have... Um, pain capability, you, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. It'd be murder. It'd be, I mean, that's what abortion is, right? It's killing. Abortion is killing. So, why do we allow them to kill an unborn living baby? Well, we're not allowing them to do it. The U.S. Supreme Court is Sure. So, they're wrong. They're wrong. So we don't challenge them. We just just let them let them do what they're doing. Well, we need we need to have five pro-life justices on the court before we can protect the unborn child. So we're not allowed to protect the unborn child until the people at the very tip top tell us. So 40 more years of this Holocaust. You don't think those guys should just defy and just say, listen, the Constitution says. You shall deprive no person of the right to life. We're going to pass laws in Oklahoma saying no person shall be deprived of the right to life without due process of law. No person. We're, we're with the Constitution and the Supreme Court's law. They did not turn to that. Well, you say Thomas? Yeah. Thomas, uh, unfortunately, we're not... We're not in control of our own destiny. Uh, we are a nation of laws, and we have the system of government that our founders gave us. Right. We have separation of powers. Right. We have a court system that rules on the constitutionality of the laws. And what do we do whenever the judicial branch goes against the Constitution of the United States? Well, uh, maybe impeach justices that be one step. Well, we're not doing that. We're not trying to lay that. Pro-life president who will appoint a pro-life Supreme Court Pro-life presidents are the ones who appointed the very judicial tyrants that you're saying we need. The, the guys who voted for Planned Parenthood first Casey and the guys who did Roe v. Wade, majority appointed by Republican presidential candidates, who's got the pro-life nod from organizations just like yours. The National Right to Life candidates put people in there like John Roberts, right? This has got to change. I'm not just trying to be mean to you. This has got to change. You've got Oklahomans for Life opposing a bill that calls abortion what it is and says that we ought to stand up and do what's right. I didn't say we opposed the bill. I said we opposed the repeal of the heartbeat. I know. It's clever. It's very... It's very Shifty and clever, you're saying that if we abolish abortion as murder, it'll it'll repeal the pro-life work that you've done to regulate abortion to where you can only kill babies up to 140 days. And I go to abortion clinics, and they tell me as they're going in, my baby won't feel pain. Where did they learn that? From Oklahomans for Life. We have to repeal this. This is an evil law. 
You're not allowed to murder children before 20 weeks development. Implicit in your question is the expectation that since 1118 would be upheld in court and would take effect. Fight for that. If we don't defy the court, how, how something like this was never did. How realistic is it that the underlying as realistic as the 14th Amendment itself. People like you were saying we cannot abolish slavery. All we need to do is we need to slow its westward expansion. We cannot abolish slavery. It's not realistic. The Supreme Court has ruled in 1857 in Dred Scott v. Sanford that the slave is property, not a person. The Supreme Court rules that. And then people say, you know what? The Supreme Court is wrong. And they start to disobeying the Supreme Court, they start passing laws, they they pass they three, three constitutional amendments to get to get right. got reversed. But that with, was because the, the abolitionists were agitating for it. Sure. And we've been working I personally have been working since nineteen seventy three to reverse the Roe v. Wade decision. But these aren't reversing the Roe v. Wade decision. These are complying with it. The reason that you can pass this is because it fits within Planned Parenthood versus Casey, because it doesn't it, it, it allows the state to regulate abortion within the parameters set by the Supreme Court. The reason you can pass the Informed Consent Act is because it's a pro-choice one. It's just saying before you kill your baby, you have the option to choose to listen to the heartbeat if the abortionist will, you know, facilitate it. That's all that is. It's a pro. This is a pro-choice law. Well, it's it's a law that is in effect, that is allowing a woman to establish a bond with her unborn baby. And it doesn't work, make a decision. 6,000 children are being butchered in Oklahoma every year. The number that we know of, the number kind of goes down because of the proliferation of Plan B abortifacients. So the number kind of goes down. The number does not go down as a result of any of the balls. The rose not in. Because I go to the abortion clinics, and none of the lobbyists, none of the Rose people are at the abortion clinics. They are busy. They are constant. The people tell us that their babies don't feel pain. The people tell us, my baby doesn't have a heartbeat. The people go get abortions, and the guy who's supposed to follow the informed consent heartbeat thing and tell them, would you like to hear your baby's heartbeat, is the very guy who wants to get $600 from them to light them up. It's a partnership with the abortions. You don't think that there's any benefit in women knowing that their baby's heart is beating or I think knowing, they all, knowing that their baby feels pain. I think it's sin. I think there's a child there that has to that they take away to death to cover their sin, to hide their shame. And they do it and they think it's legal. They don't want to hear the heartbeat. They've all been to school. They know what an ultrasound is. They know where babies come from. This is all this is all this thing that's set up that purports to be righteous, but it's unrighteous. And they 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 just go in there. They don't want like the the one y'all passed recently about like making them look at a website. So if you go to Larry Burns' website and scroll down to the bottom, there's a little you can go to the woman's right to know website. Someone who's wanting to have their child aborted. He doesn't purposely go to the abortionist website and then go to the website made by the government and then go look at prenatal images and read all that pro-choice 
you have a right to know, and here's the prenatal baby, blah, blah, blah. They know. The problem is, is there's a baby there that they don't want, and they think this is a legal procedure. Sure, there's a bunch of Republicans that want me to think about it a lot before I uh, have it done, but they're not telling me it's murder. They're not telling me it's wrong. They're not telling me I can't do it. And the law is a tutor. And when the law is not established, people run. They shed innocent blood. This is the job of the governing magistrates. And you're just a lobbyist, but every one of them that I talk to, I say, hey, do you think abortion is murder? They say, yes. I say, would you support SB 1118? They say, well, let me, let me, let me see what Tony thinks. He's been driving up for 40 years. And I just want to shoot very straight with you. For 40 years, if you've been putting other things, if you've been moving the goalposts around to other places of the field, we haven't been moving the goalposts around. We've been moving closer to the goalposts year by year with so like legislation that is upheld in court. You will rarely find 
a message now of repentance. Look at what has become of the world, Church of Christ, through you, losing what you should have been. But God waits for his people. God waits for his people. When will they take the stepping stones God has placed in his words? Church that has forgotten its foundations, a church that's turned away from its beginnings and begins to become a harlot church. Just, just tell me how blessed I am. Just tell me I'm, I'm, I'm going to be powerful and popular and going to have no trouble in my life. But just tell me these things. Watered down. Half-truths. This gospel says, just believe and get saved. There's nothing of repentance. Nothing of godly sorrow. Nothing of turning from your sins. Nothing about taking up your cross and following the Lord. The people who say a little prayer said, you are fine, you are good. People believe in any standard, even if the New Testament is legalism and bondage and law. Any standard is law. I'm in the grace, I can do anything. Oh, that's from the devil. Now, we've revised that and said, if you can people for one hour on Sunday morning in the building, that's the church. That's not the church. We can use every device we want to get people for one hour and keep it early and keep it moving and keep it going. But that's not the church, Jesus and I'm embarrassed to be part of the church of Jesus today because I believe it's an embarrassment to our holy God. Most of our joy is clapping our hands and having a good time, and then afterwards we're talking all the drivel of the world. Don't talk to us about holiness or separation from the world. Don't we don't want to hear that most people today don't want to hear Anything they call gloom and doom. If, if it's not smooth, it's gloom and doom. Well, friend, let me tell you lovingly, go to hell and live with all the skill in the earth. You like to drink, go with the drinkers. You like to lunch, go with the prostitutes. To have been covered in something deceptive to find in the last moments of your life that the feet coming down the hallway are not taking you to heaven. You can get through the deception your whole life. You can even sing in the choir. And I think we've got to watch this business of, you know, God loves you, God loves you, and all the bumper stickers, sloppy evangelism. Will you remind people of the goodness and the severity of God? Will you remind them that there's a day when mercy is cut off forever? Will you remind them that people pray in hell that nobody ever answers? But in spite of what God has spoken, they create a garment of fig leaves and they cover themselves and say, all is well, all is well. And they seek out a church that won't challenge their sin, that won't expose this hypocrisy for what it is. I'd rather you get mad at me and go to heaven. This so-called love gospel today only reaches the flesh. It can't get to the heart. It can't dig into sin so that there can be a cleansing. And if I'm a surgeon of the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to put a bandage on you when you've got cancer speaking out of a bone or, or on your flesh. We're going to say, hey, we've got to get in there. It has to be dealt with. And we do. I don't care if you like me, but I'm a good surgeon, and I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to get your cancer out. This is the reason why some who are listening even now and will be listening to tapes in the future, you just can't lighten up and enjoy these theologically shallow experiences like so many around you are today. Everyone around you say, well, lighten up, lighten up. 
God's love, God's good, God's kind, God is nice. Come to church and you can read a church. Stick your feet on the altar rail. Have a coffee and cookies with us. We'll hear three point messages on nothing about God. But there's a stirring in you. There's a stirring in the two bride in this generation. I will tell you something. A diluted gospel is no gospel at all. Businessmen. They were crass businessmen coming into something that God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of peace. You're getting over on the people. Out with you. And if you don't believe this is happening in our generation, I challenge you to go to a Christian bookstore this week and find the bestsellers. Ask them which are the bestsellers and look at them. Look at the covers for the images of men, not the images of God. Five steps to be like me. Five steps to better yourself. Five steps to the new you. Five steps to a wonderful destiny with their glossy faces on the cover. Not so subtly telling the church of Jesus Christ, if you use the principles of God, you will look like me. In the 14th chapter of Romans, and he says we, so he writes off even to believers at the judgment seat. We must all, there's no exception. We must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You can't send your lawyer, you can't send a representative. Because one day, it doesn't matter if your friends approve of you, it doesn't matter how many albums you sell, one day the Bible says, I'm going to stand in front of the one whose eyes are like fire, and I can't get over on him. All of you that sing in that fire, it's not just if you're on your note, it's why you're on your note. Can you see all the things of all the ages? And then a great deal is standing there before Christ, whose eyes are full of holiness, where the place is breathing holiness, where the Lord of majesty and awesome God. And he reads the record of my poor life before all the names of all the ages. And to bear there you theologians reading out my theology. To want to bear are you pure in heart? And you became enamored with your own beauty. And your whole theological focus now is how you can be smarter, better, better looking, more prosperous. You lost the call of God, church. You made it a place just to make a buck. So out Church of Christ of God, when will you grieve me? I'm the first of the righteousness. Now I will tell you something. A diluted gospel is no gospel at all. Become neither when the church in the state we are, the standard is not free for men. It prevents it. We need to see God death as a standard of his book, not men's standards. But Christ says, I'm not presenting to you some holiness of the holiness movement. I'm teaching to you Christ's word that the only holiness is not healthy. I want to challenge you with everything in me. Put away lifeless religion. Put away empty pursuits of God. Put away all of the deception of the carnal nature. Holy, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's words. Not mine. What did God say? Episcopalian, Presbyterian. Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal pastors begin to stand up and see what's happening to the church that was once called the church of Jesus Christ. Backsliding, turning apostate, turning against the truths of their heaven, of their, their founding fathers. When I see the church in the New Testament, they didn't have stately buildings. They didn't have paid evangelists. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have organization. They just couldn't get on TV and beg. But I'll tell you what they did. They turned the world upside down. But are you big enough to say, Lord, in this crucial hour in human history, let me fill up the sufferings of Christ. But if the Holy Spirit is truly, truly upon you in this generation, you will not be 
thank God all the dwarves surround you will criticize and sneer at you and say you're trying to be holier than the rest of us are. For God has not really given us Jesus Christ, he's given us all things. And because there isn't enough joy in the house of God, we need entertainment. Because entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. We're living in a time, as the prophet Malachi said, when those who fear the Lord are going to get together one more time and think on his name, and a book of remembrance will be written for them, and they will return, and they will know the difference between those who serve God and those who don't serve him. Folks, we've got to deal with sin. We've got to deal with things in life, you know, the divorcing and all these things. We have to do something about it. We have to face a holy God one day. There's a great trial coming, folks, for everyone. Praise God. He's going to deliver the true believer. I want you to change your message. I'm telling you now, the judgment is at the door. The handwriting is on the wall. The whole world is shaking, and you're amusing these people, even if you have to bury your theology, just bury it tonight and get back with God. Homosexuals don't like me. The anti-gun people don't like me. Barack Obama don't like me. Hillary Clinton sure as crap don't like me. And I'm Peter don't like me. Nobody likes me. So I just want to make sure nobody gets left out. Let me tell you something. Let me be very clear. I'm not here to be liked. I can care less what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to stand on the Word of God whether you like it or not. If you come to this page, you get a vision. It's probably because you ain't right with God and because you don't stand up for the United States of America. I could care less if I offend radical Islamists. I could care less if terrorists get mad at me because something in this, in this United States of America needs to change. Men need to get a backbone. People need to stand up for their country. You know what? Say, well, preachers shouldn't tote guns. Preachers shouldn't do this and preachers shouldn't do that. I think every preacher, every man of God should carry a pistol along with other, a few other things. So in case I ain't offended you yet, let me explain to you and be very clear what all pastors, every man of God, should have on well, many bullets. Let's see what else we got here. Constitution. Declaration of Independence. I ain't done yet. You ain't offended good enough yet. Well, let's see. Yeah, 40 pounds help you a whole lot. And last but not least, and the most important, is the Word of God. You preachers that are standing in the pulpit, here's a few things you can get started with. Instead of working on your fog machines, your light shows, your cafes, in your churches, and all this other unholy ghost field stuff, why don't you get your Bible out of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence? Why don't you learn how to clean and cock a pistol and quit worrying about being politically correct? Because this pastor could care less about being politically correct. I'm going to minister the Word of God. I'm not backing off the United States of America. So don't waste your 
time on my face telling me that you don't like me because guess what? If you don't like me, it's because of what I stand for. I stand for the Word of God on compromise. I stand on the Holy Ghost, and I stand for the United States of America. Those are things that I'm not going to compromise. Those are things that I'm not going to back off of. And if you don't like those things, first of all, you shouldn't be in the United States of America. And second of all, you sure as crap should not be a preacher because you cannot preach the Word of God without being solid in your faith and without supporting your country. You say, well, Jesus Christ won't do it that way. Jesus Christ is going to blow a lot of people's minds when he steps back in on rapture day. Make no mistake about it. My God's not a coward, and I ain't either, and neither should you be. Once upon a time, in the land called Feel Good, there was a church. The church of the comfortable and tolerant. And the church of the comfortable and tolerant just recently hired a new pastor, Pastor Peacekeeper. And Pastor Peacekeeper just graduated from the most popular seminary in the land, the Seminary of Smooth Talking. And the church of the comfortable and tolerant loved the pastor's new sermons. Some of their favorites were, God is happy with everyone. Everything is fine and dandy. And, of course, there's nothing but good times ahead. The pastor peacekeeper once made a very terrible mistake. He allowed one of the elders into the pulpit, Mr. Conscience. And Mr. Conscience did nothing but call their mistakes sins, and he called them to repent. You see, Mr. Conscience had never been to the seminary of smooth talking, and maybe he should have, because his sermon did nothing but offend the congregation. They were offended at his audacity and his arrogance, and they said to themselves, who does this intolerant, judgmental, self-righteous legalist think that he is? Why should we allow this false preacher in our church to bring this congregation into bondage? And so Pastor Peacekeeper received many complaints from the congregation about the sermon of Mr. Conscience. The congregation was outraged, and Pastor Peacekeeper knew he had made a terrible mistake. You see, Mr. Conscience had betrayed the trust of Pastor Peacekeeper. So Pastor Peacekeeper told Mr. Conscience he was no longer welcome in the church any longer, and he asked him to leave. And so everyone in the congregation was very happy that Pastor Peacekeeper asked Mr. Conscience to leave the congregation, except for one member, an elder in the church named the Holy Spirit. So Mr. Conscience and the Holy Spirit decided to leave the congregation together. And after a little while, Nobody missed them, and nobody even knew that they were gone. Business at the church continued to function as usual, without conscience and without the Holy Spirit. Once things were back to normal, the way they had always been, everyone was very happy in the land called Feel Good. Pastor Peacekeeper continued to sugarcoat sweet and wonderful little lies to preach from the pulpit that made everyone comfortable in their sins, and he heavily guarded against preaching on abrasive truths. And who could blame him? 
You see, the pastor loved his new church, his new home, and of course, his new salary. He couldn't put these precious things on the line. And so Pastor Peacekeeper guaranteed that the church of the comfortable and tolerant was as satisfied and as happy as they can be while they sat in their pews of complacency and compromise. And the congregation of the Church of the Comfortable and Tolerant lived happily ever after in the land called Feel Good until Judgment Day when they were all cast into hell for their sin. The moral of the story is that there's many preachers in our land today who remove all the bumps and obstacles that are in the road to hell to make it as comfortable as possible for those who are traveling on it. The church today is full of many professional pastors and compromised congregations who utterly refuse to repent of their sins, who will not call others to repent of their sins, and who will vehemently oppose those who do so. So God help those who attempt to clean up the church and the world, because they will surely be opposed by both.
We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or a traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who have never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves for the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Joseph and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. Pass me not away from my presence. Yeah. 
and we really like the applause. Just admit it, and then let's answer the question. Are we willing to forgo that? Am I willing to forgo the comforts of life? If any of you are Americans in here, you know the value we put on the comforts of life. God wouldn't actually ask me to forgo those, would he? That's, that's not right. Are you willing is the question. Does not mean he will ask you to just be miserable? Questions, are you willing to go where there aren't comforts? You know, there's other places in this world. If you haven't traveled much, you'll find it out that aren't like America. You know, or Afghanistan, Iraq, Liberia. You know, there's a lot of places out there. Liberia doesn't have electricity. Hey, gross. Amazing Jesus Christ. Are you willing to give up the comforts of life? For your king. By the way, life on earth is very short. You willing to give up the short season of your existence to serve your king well, no matter what the cost? Am I willing to go anywhere, no matter the danger or darkness? Anywhere. Anywhere is the question. Not just for the easy spots. Anywhere for king and kingdom. Because if you say no, who do you expect in this generation to say yes? Am I willing to let go my reputation? You know, when you serve Jesus Christ, you become the misunderstood. It doesn't happen always immediately, but sometimes it does. Where people start looking at you like, what the world's wrong with you? They start passing little rumors about you, too. All sorts of little tales can begin to float through the air or over the Internet. You stand for something, and you're immediately misunderstood, despised. Sometimes hated would be a good word to describe it. Jesus was described as a worm and no man in Psalm 22. Are you willing to be a worm and no man in this generation? Am I willing to die young for the sake of Christ? Am I willing to live lonely among the evil? Am I willing to suffer in my body? Am I willing to be an etc., an insignificant, a nobody for the glory of Jesus Christ? Do you require notoriety? Are you willing to serve a ghost? Well, I go to interior advocates. They don't really have the news cameras that can capture all my good deeds down there. I need to be noticed. Doesn't God want us to be famous so that he can make a name for himself? If I increase, maybe he can increase that way. No, actually, the pattern for him increasing is uniqueness. That's the great secret for increasing the kingdom of heaven. We get out of the way. Are you willing to be one of Christ's etc.s, or must you be one of Christ's somebody's? Is this for your reputation or for his? I want you to realize what we're defining here isn't extreme Christianity. It's Christianity. It's the way it's always been. Gold of God. Which one lifts you off the couch? Which one will cause you to risk life and limb? Gold or God? Which one would you gamble to get more of? Because men and women all throughout history have gambled to get gold. But which of us is willing to gamble our lives and put it all on the line to get more God? More God. More God. Gold or God? 
You choose. Thank <laughs> you. 
This has been Taking the Church to the Street with Brother Shorty, and we've had about an hour of our program, and none of our guests came on, but we did have some recordings, and so we hope the people that listen to our recordings enjoy what they've heard. This is the end of our conference call. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.